When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey everybody, it's Dan and welcome to our Thursday edition of the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. We are continuing to do our Browns roadmap and the time has come we are talking quarterbacks. So Mary Kay Cabot-Dugley, Marie Scott Patsko and I get into some quarterback scenarios and kind of update some of the things we've talked about uh, with how this could play out, some more specific names and some more specifics on on what may or may not happen here uh, coming up in the next few weeks at the quarterback position. Uh, if you're not a Football Insider subscriber, you got to become one. Cleveland.com slash Browns, the blue banner at the top of the page. You get a daily newsletter delivered to your inbox. You get access to exclusive stories at Cleveland.com slash Browns, and you can become one of our tech subscribers. And the Combine's next week, so we're going to have stuff coming for our Football Insider subscribers throughout the week. Uh, you're going to want to be subscribed. You're going to want to give this a shot. Cleveland.com slash Browns, the blue banner at the top of the page. Get info and get signed up. Okay, let's talk quarterbacks on the Orange Brown Talk podcast. Here we go on our Thursday edition of the Orange or Brown Talk podcast. Finally, we're going to talk about it. We've been waiting and waiting all offseason to discuss this subject. We've been putting it off. We've been thinking, when is the perfect time to bring this up? We're going to talk quarterback. This, of course, is part of our roadmap series. Uh, we've gone through multiple, uh, you know, we've gone through pass catchers, if you missed that earlier this week, offensive line, defensive line, all sorts of good stuff. we got one more coming after this, too, but... Uh, we can't do a roadmap without talking about the quarterback position. And Mary Kay, you are our map maker, our cart- our cartographer. Is that right? You're our cartographer sure. on this one. Mm-hmm. Okay, so um, a lot has happened since we did our uh, Baker Mayfield matrix. In some ways, a lot has happened, and not too much has happened yet in terms of the dominoes starting to fall for the quarterbacks. I would say by next week, when we're all in Indianapolis at the combine and all the GMs start talking to, uh, really start talking to uh, the agents in earnest and all of that starts to happen, uh, there is going to start to be some movement because as we know, the league year opens March 16th. I'm actually surprised no trades have happened to this point. As we recall, the Matt Stafford for Jared Goff trade happened at the end of January last year. So the fact that nothing has happened yet, I think is quite interesting. Aaron Rodgers has promised that he will uh, let everyone know sooner than later what his plan is. And I think once, uh, once they figure that out, then, uh, you know, then I think we'll start to see some other movement and some things happen. Uh, one thing that has happened since we did our series is the fact that uh, Tom Brady has decided to retire. Although I am a little bit skeptical about whether or not he actually will stay retired. Uh, You know, since then we have heard reports that, you know, he was at odds a little bit with Bruce Arians. So I I have to wonder if he might not try to squeeze at least another season out of himself and do a little bit of the the farewell tour in the same way that, uh, that others have done, including Ben Roethlisberger this year. So we'll, we'll have to wait and see what happens there. But they have joined the ranks of 
trying to find a quarterback. So there's lots of competition and there are not many quarterbacks available this year. This is not a good year to be trying to figure out what you want to do at your starting quarterback position. A, a few other things that have happened is coaches have been hired in some cities and well, in most cities actually. And we think that we have clarity on what the quarterback situation is going to be like in those cities. For instance, Minnesota, Kirk Cousins, Kevin Stefanski connection. But uh, now that Kevin O'Connell has been hired there, uh, there is a strong push to try to keep Kirk Cousins. At least that's what they're saying now. Remember, everybody says this guy is our quarterback until he's not, because you kind of have to say that for the most part. Kind of, kind of like what happened in, in Arizona with, with Josh Rosen. I guess what, how do you kind of view the Browns quarterback position? Like if you're like put on the GM hat, what's the outlook right now? Like, the outlook what, right where now, do you think this is headed? You know, the outlook I think right now is that they are, they're kicking the tires. They, they have to kick the tires and do their due diligence on the rookie quarterbacks that, you know, that we, most of them were at the senior bowl. Uh, and they will continue to look at those guys at the combine. And they will also uh, keep their ears to the ground and seek out opportunities amongst the veterans. I mean, they have to, they have a quarter, uh, the 27th ranked quarterback heading into the final year of his contract. So they would be crazy not to explore their options. They are obligated to do it. I mean, they basically have to. They don't know uh, if Baker Mayfield is going to be their quarterback in the future. So they've got to look around and they've got to see what opportunities are available. So that's kind of the mindset heading in. So Doug, when Mary Kay did her uh, first mock draft, um, she took Malik Willis at 13. So if, if that's the way the Browns went, if they decided to draft a quarterback and that's going to become sort of the, I don't want to say talking point, you know, that's going to become a theme as we go into next week, because we're going to hear from all these guys, the draft quarterbacks are going to become center stage. Obviously there might be some of the, some movement on the trademark and things like that. But um, I, I mean, let's just start there. If the Browns decide they want to draft a guy and, and you, you had a scenario too, where they were going to draft a guy and we're going to do a separate pod on, on sort of our mocks, but if the draft is an option, how extreme can they get, I guess? Or how extreme should just, they get? I was just so happy to see Mary Kay take Malik Willis in the first round. <laughs> After we had the whole podcast where Mary Kay was saying, it's a bad year for quarterbacks. I was like, she fell in love with Malik Willis at the <laughs> senior bowl. <laughs> I was so excited. So it's one of these things that I do think sometimes when you think about it, you can tiptoe around quarterbacks a lot without realizing, man, nothing's guaranteed. And teams do this to their quarterbacks sometimes kind of frequently. The Patriots drafted Jimmy Garoppolo in the second round, right on top of Tom Brady. The Packers drafted Jordan Love in the first round, right on top of Aaron Rodgers. Like teams, teams do this. It is not a personal affront to address the most important position on your franchise and have multiple options and hedge and make plans for the future and still say to the guy who's the quarterback, listen, man, go be the, go be the guy, go be a star, but we're not going to be left with nothing if it doesn't work out. So I don't, it's not exactly where my head is right now, but if the right guy falls to 13 and the Browns did that and took their receiver in the second round, and it doesn't mean that Baker Mayfield's not the starting quarterback in 2022, and it doesn't mean Baker Mayfield's not the starting quarterback for the next 10 years. 
please let us get to a place where the Browns have too many good quarterbacks, <laughs> right? God forbid. What a world that would be. So I think it's interesting, and it's why I do think this quarterback class could be in some ways exactly right for a team like the Browns because these are guys are not going to go in the top five, I don't think. I'm not sure how many are going to go in the top ten in terms of quarterbacks in this draft because it's not Trevor Lawrence. It's not guys like that. So I'm intrigued, but I do think Mary Kay, what Mary you said about like kicking the tires, I'd kick every tire, man. I'd go to the junkyard to find tires. I'd be walking down the street, every car in the neighborhood, I'd be kicking tires. And, but the thing that is, it is not a personal attack on Baker Mayfield to look at other quarterback options. And I think it's fair for the franchise to operate that way. And if for some reason Baker would take it as such, then I don't know, man, but the Packers drafted Jordan Love. Go win the job and be the man, right? Go make this, whatever we do, go make it unnecessary. But I think they can do something without giving up on Baker. I do think that's a needle that can be threaded. So I, I think I kind of see where this is, is headed. But Scott, I want to ask you, I mean, look, drafting a quarterback now is not nearly as devastating if you miss as it used to be. This isn't, you know, we're going to draft Sam Bradford and pay, at least financially. We're going to draft Sam Bradford and we're going to pay him $50 million. And that's, that's it. That's our guy. It's going to kill us if he doesn't work out. That's not really as much the, even Trey Lance, right? Like went so high last year. If he doesn't work out in San Francisco, it hurts them, but at least not financially, they have, they'll, they'll be able to find some other options in that regard. How would you feel if the Browns took a guy at 13? The Browns have not drafted a quarterback in the last three drafts. Never before in franchise history have they gone longer than that without drafting a quarterback. It's amazing to me that Baker Mayfield could be the starter during that stretch, the longest stretch in franchise history without drafting a quarterback. Now it was, I mean, the farther you go back, the, the longer the draft is. So there were years obviously uh, where you had 12, you know, 17, 20 picks and you're drafting a quarterback every other year, almost every year. Um, but it is kind of wild that, they have not dipped their toe in that at all uh, over the last three years. Now I've spent like hours and hours at this time of year, the last couple of years, trying to figure out what Andrew Barry does in the draft because he's worked under guys who we had a pretty clear idea of what their approach was. Like Sashi Brown was big on spark scores. They wanted athletic guys and whether or not they sat down and said, all right, here's our spark rankings. We're taking these guys. Uh, it just worked out that the guys they did pick, like they were pretty high ranked, like Miles Garrett off the charts, obviously. Um, and then you had John Dorsey, who was really big on explosiveness and he targeted vertical and broad jump at the, at the combine. And he's like on record saying that those are drills that matter to him. He thinks the league gets more explosive every five years. And those are the drills that measure that. So the guys he picked usually were very highly ranked very well on those drills with Andrew Barry. I, who knows? I've not found now part of it's the, the drift or the, the combine was, was pretty much, you know, canceled last year. And um, it's just, it, you're going out pro days and it's just hard to find stuff, but the, like Greg Newsom did not um, wow anybody outside of maybe the 40, he did not wow people in anything that he did uh, combine drill wise. And, and most of the guys that Barry has picked, have not really fallen into any sort of thread that connects him to Sashi Brown or, or John Dorsey or any of that kind of thinking. I mean, he, he drafted two linebackers last year and he traded up to get one of them. And then it's like analytic minds exploded everywhere. 
uh, when he did that, because that just does not follow the rule book. So if you're telling me he's going to draft a quarterback at 13, sure, I'll believe it, because I, I don't know if Andrew Barry really, he's like a gunslinger. He just does what he wants, and it's pretty much worked out so far in the draft. Um, I don't think this is the year to take quarterback 13th, but again, it wouldn't shock me if it happened. Okay, I, I almost want to save this question for when we do our mock draft pod, but whatever. I'll just cut it and paste it into when we do that. Mary Kay, why did you fall in love with Malik Willis? Or is that too strong? It might be a little bit too strong. Uh, but as we go through this discussion, I want to make sure that we circle back to uh, the veteran quarterbacks. Because I, I don't know, like if, if I had to make a decision today what I, what I was going to do, I might prefer to use that first round pick on a veteran quarterback, to trade for a veteran quarterback. So I want to circle back to that, but let me just give you my impression. Uh, that, that's fine. If, if you want to, I mean, if you rather would go down that, that road, we can do that. Well, we can no, save the I mean, Malik Willis discussion. No, I mean, I'll, I'll answer that question, but I do want to circle back to the whole veteran situation because I think from, for a, from a roadmap standpoint, uh, I would probably start there. Um, but just very briefly, uh, the things that I liked about Malik Willis had very much to do with traits, okay? Very, very much to do with developmental traits. I liked the arm strength. It was evident. It was visible. You could see it. It was tangible. And he's got a cannon arm, okay? Really big, strong arm. Prerequisite. Very good. Uh, but he has other arm talent uh, that, that I found to be very intriguing. And probably uh, the, the second most important thing in my mind was a very natural ability to throw from different arm angles and be good at it. Okay. Like you can try that and not be good at it, but when he did it, he was accurate with the football and it almost had little shades of Patrick Mahomes. I mean, it was like Mahomes like a little bit when, when he does it. Um, and I think that you can work with that. Uh, the other things were, his it's it's his dual threat ability i mean he can run he can run but he doesn't always want to take off running and i think that's vitally important he's working very hard to be a thinking man's quarterback he studies the game of tom brady to try and to figure out what makes him so good in terms of vision and strategy he's taken up chess so that he can think in terms of the next move uh, and he's really working on it. And I think that somebody that puts that much time and effort into being good at, at all aspects of your game like that, uh, you're going to get better. He's a raw developmental prospect. And so my thinking on is if it, if, if it did come to that, I think he's worth taking a chance on. And if it doesn't work out ever, well, that's okay too, because I'd rather swing and miss on a good developmental prospect with intriguing traits like that than, you know, than to take almost anything else in the first round, because I think you can get almost anything else somewhere else. Uh, but if you have a chance to get a really good quarterback, I, I never think that you should pass that up. I mean, unless of course you, you are sure that you have your guy, but if you're not sure you have your guy, I think you can take some chances financially. It's not going to kill you anymore. It's not going to kill you. So that's my thinking on, on Malik, and then we can go from there. Let's take a break here, and then when we come back, we'll get into some of those veteran options. 
And we are back on the Orange Brown Talk podcast. So Mary Kay, you were mentioning Kirk Cousins a little bit earlier and the situation with Kevin O'Connell and they're saying all the right things of all these veteran guys who could become available. And let's just assume like Jimmy Garoppolo is available. But of the other veteran guys who could become available, who do you think is, you know, that everybody's saying they might not be, who do you think is the most likely? Could it be Cousins? Is there a Derek Carr scenario? What is it? You know what? I'm going to say, for some reason, I keep coming back to Derek Carr. I don't know. I just feel like he's a fit. And I also feel like uh, anything is still possible in that situation because there's money involved. And that's what people seem to forget. You can have a new coach show up and, and talk the game. Like, you know, Josh McDaniels wants Derek Carr to be his quarterback. And that's, that's great. Um, but there's a whole other, other component to this. And that's the money aspect of it. And he would want, he's going to want a new contract. He's going to want a new contract. And if he doesn't get it from, from, from them, from the Raiders, then he's going to, I'm sure, explore his options as well. So I'm, I'm putting this in the never say never category until we hear that from his camp that he's set and they're working on an extension and they're all excited about it and they're moving forward. Uh, I'm putting in this in the anything's possible category. And I kind of like him for the Browns. I do too. All right, let's, let's play a game. Scott, the Pittsburgh Steelers trade for... Kirk Cousins, how do you feel? Uh, well, if I'm a Browns fan, I guess I'd be concerned and not very happy. Um, I think that makes them a better team than they were last year. Mm-hmm. I mean, people hear Cousins, they hear Garoppolo, they hear Carr, and they for a Browns quarterback, and they think, well, why would they want him? He's not a long-term answer, but that's not how you look at it. And that's now the Steelers would look at Kirk Cousins. You're looking at a guy for like the next three, four years who is consistent, who, at least in the Browns situation, this is their best, at least on par with what Baker's best has been. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I like that. I like that move for the Browns. I like that move for, for the Steelers, for sure. All right, Doug, the Steelers trade for Jimmy Garoppolo. Are they suddenly the second best team in the AFC North? Jimmy is just a little more hit and miss than Cousins, right? Um, I know Kevin Cole is a guy that I I enjoy following on Twitter, and he's an analytics guy, and he's kind of – he often stands up for Jimmy, that there's a lot of – there's a lot of Jimmy discussion about him, like, oh, yeah, it's like Nick Bosa doing all the heavy lifting there, and Nick, and Jimmy's screwing it up more than he's helping half the time. Um, I do think it's hard. The entire thing, I think with, with quarterbacks, you either want upside or you want certainty, right? And that's the hard part with Baker right now is I'm not sure that the Browns have either of those with Baker Mayfield. And Malik Willis is upside, and then guys like this, Cousins and Garoppolo, and this kind of thing is, is more of a certainty discussion. I don't know if there's enough certainty with Garoppolo, right, to make you – would I want to give up a first for Garoppolo? That I might give up the first. And by the way, I, I am curious if anybody thinks, is Baker Mayfield an asset potentially in all this stuff? That like when you're mm-hmm. making that – listen, he's a distressed asset, but – Expiring contract. And, 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 and you – what if it pops? He's, it's a reasonable deal. There's no long-term commitment to it. So you're either off of it or 
if it hits now, all of a sudden you might have your quarterback at a reasonable price that would it like is Baker in a first for cousins. Is that, is that the deal? Baker in a first for Garoppolo. Is that a deal? Is that actually like that Baker's like a piece of that, that in Minnesota, if they want to get move on from cousins say, well, we'll, we'll roll the dice on Baker. He's a, he's at least a starter. He's a for sure starter. He has more upside than Jared Goff did when the lions did that deal. So anyway, uh, I'm a little less enthused about Jimmy, but I, I wouldn't automatically say no. But Cousins, to me, is a little more certain. The thing about the Steelers, though, is you don't know what that offense is going to look like because it's probably not going to look like it did with Ben Roethlisberger running it. You're going to throw farther down hitch maybe of another quarterback's abilities that Ben no longer had. So the, the reason I asked it that way, Mary Kay, is – um, you know, like Browns fans obviously are paying attention to what the Steelers are doing. If they trade for Aaron Rodgers, it's like, oh no, what, what are we going to do? If they trade it for Derek Carr, I'd feel the same way. If they trade it for Kirk Cousins, I, I think I'd be nervous, right? I think that makes them better. If they trade it for Jimmy Garoppolo, I'd be like, oh, okay, that's fine. And I guess that's sort of how I view all these guys for the Browns too. But, but just trying to frame it in a different lens. I think I jumped in when, when you were about to say something there. No, I mean, I, I, I agree with you guys. I mean, there are only a, a couple of guys that might potentially become available that you can, you can say, you know, that's a home run right there. And of course that would be Aaron and, and Russell and actually Deshaun Watson too. I think, I mean, obviously he's a home run from a talent standpoint and it's just such a complicated situation. I mean, that is so still up in the air legally that I just don't know that the Browns could or should get involved in that right now. If there was a little bit more clarity on it and it looked like it was heading for some kind of a resolution maybe, but with the league year opening and that's still so far up in the air, I don't know how any team could, you know, with conviction say, I'm going to give up two or three first round picks and other assets. Um, So that one's going to be very interesting to watch, but, um, but I think that uh, I, I for sure think that you can use, Baker Mayfield as a tradable commodity. He is currency right now. Uh, and he, I think he has some value. I know. I mean, there, there are plenty of, of coaches out there in the NFL that really liked Baker Mayfield coming out in the draft. And there are a lot of people that still think of him very, very highly. I think a lot, uh, maybe not a lot of teams, but I think teams will look at last year and take into consideration uh, just, you know, the injury scheme receiver issues and, and see something there. And I actually think maybe a change of scenery might do him some good, right? Um, you know, we'll see, but maybe somebody else can, uh, you know, can get a little bit more out of him or see something in him, you know, and maybe that's, that's one where if the Raiders are not willing to give Derek Carr the money that he wants, the, the big extension that he wants, maybe they would be willing to uh, take on Baker Mayfield in a swap as they're in this transition phase. So uh, definitely something to, you know, at least kick around or think about there, but, um, and, and then Matt Ryan, we didn't even mention Matt Ryan. Okay. Now he's, yeah. And, that, and that's a new one, I think since yeah, the last right. time we, we really got into this, right. He's 37, but you know, I think maybe you guys agree. I mean, he, he would be an intriguing prospect. I mean, he's, he's a good quarterback and he's somebody that you can win with and in the right, and given the right situation and given a good defense, uh, you know, he's somebody that I think he would be worth also looking into. And, you know, same thing with, with Mitch Trubisky to a lesser extent in terms of coming in and knowing that he would be your starter right away. Um, but there are names out there that 
you know, that I think that they can and will uh, look into. But I, for whatever reason, if I had to do a roadmap right now, I would probably start with Derek Carr. Now, Jimmy Garoppolo, some people think uh, that, that they should be starting with Jimmy Garoppolo in terms of trying to acquire a veteran because they think that would be most realistic right now, that you could actually get your hands on him. And I suppose that could be true when all is said and done. Um, and I, I probably wouldn't be completely opposed to that. I, I think you could work with that too. Do we maybe, is there any reason to believe with all the rumors there were about the New England Patriots and Baker Mayfield in that draft and how much the Patriots liked Baker that Josh McDaniels might be a Baker Mayfield fan, which would help perhaps yeah. grease the wheels of a Derek Carr, Baker Mayfield trade? Yeah. I mean, when, when you really like love a guy coming out, you love a guy in the draft like that. I mean, it seems like evaluators sort of keep that in their brains for a, a very long time. So I suppose that, that that could be part of it. I think, you know, and every really good offensive coordinator or quarterbacks coach believes that they can take a quarterback like that and turn him into a Super Bowl winner. Can I, can I drop a conspiracy theory? Sure. A Raiders conspiracy theory. There's no basis for, for this at all, but uh, didn't Josh McDaniel interview a Browns assistant for uh, the offensive coordinator job? Was he maybe doing some intel on Baker? Mm. Mm. Hey, hey, I like it, Dan. How, how hurt was Baker? Just, just, you know, a little small talk before we start the interview. I like it. I like it. Very good. I, I I think with new coaches, with the Raiders and the Vikings, those seem like really like real possibilities. If they want to move on from their guys, that you take Baker in return, he's your bridge. If he works out, great, but he's your bridge to maybe a better draft class because every coach wants to, you know, you want to build around your own quarterback that you brought in. Um, and, and again, his, his contract is, you know, the fifth year is going to be up after after next season. So I think that that could make a lot of sense to to teams like the Vikings and the Raiders. And again, you're getting a guy in return that isn't a long term answer. But if you get five years out of him, great. If not, um, he at least gets you through X number of years and X number of drafts where you can maybe identify the guy that that's going to be the next one. Mm -hmm. I do think part of like all these roadmaps, roadmap is such a good word, is just you have to realize teams are in different circumstances and the circumstances affect how you view the player. And I keep using upside and certainty. If you're a new head coach, you want upside, man. It's like, Hey, we have this certain quarterback. It's like, yeah, he's a certain eight and eight, eight, nine, 10 and seven guy. I don't, I want it. I want it all baby. So Vegas and Minnesota might want something new, even though their guys are, are pretty established, they might want to shoot for more where the Browns to me are in like a certainty phase. It's like, listen, we really, really feel like we have a lot of other things in place. As long as the quarterback is pretty good, we would love to have a top five quarterback, but really all we need is pretty good. And we think we have a chance to do something in the playoffs. They might be more interested in certainty and it's not Baker's fault, but he was hurt and he can just provide less certainty right now than Carr or cousins, especially Whereas those other teams might be more interested in his eventual upside, or at least roll the dice for a year and see what happens. And that, again, I'm going to keep saying, it's not a personal affront to Baker Mayfield to discuss all these things that go into team decisions. And it just may be through no fault of the quarterback that the quarterback and the franchise are kind of in different spots right now, which is why this conversation 
makes sense beyond, oh, it's a harness. It's like, okay, I get it. It's, it's a less, slightly deeper than a harness discussion. You know, uh, we're think, all just haters, or so I'm told. <laughs> I, I think the thing also to keep in mind as, as you discuss the, the veteran quarterbacks is that money component. Because when you're talking about a Kirk Cousins, he's got a $35 million base, which is you know significantly, obviously higher than what Derek Carr is making right now or what Jimmy Garoppolo is making. Um, but those guys are going to want extensions that get them up into uh, the, you know, the, the higher stratosphere of quarterback money right now, but money is another, another factor in all of this. I mean, do you, does a guy want to just have a, a good one-year contract and hit the free agent market after the year again? Some, some people want that uh, and just to keep making big money, you know, I mean, Kirk Cousins has really cashed in over the years, right? And he, he can kind of continue to do that a little bit. So, you know, so length of contract, amount of money, all of those things uh, factor in into this decision. The other thing, too, as, as we talk about these veterans is, I mean, we see it over and over again. These, these coach quarterback marriages just they don't usually work, especially recently. You know, we always kind of assume a coach isn't going to take a job unless he likes the quarterback. And that's probably true. But then that coach usually ends up not loving that quarterback as much. McVay and Goff is the most famous one, right? But Bruce Arians, they got Tom Brady in as fast as they could and shoved Jameis Winston out the door. Obviously, that's, you know, you're going to bring the goat in anytime you want, you can. But uh, there's just cases over and over again of situations where a coach takes a job with a quarterback, then kind of decides a year later or two years later, eh, you know what? This really isn't my guy. This isn't going to work. Um, so, I mean, is there a chance with some of this? St- I mean, are we a year away from actually resolving this? Are we, are we going to be having some of maybe not these same discussions? Because I think if, if it resolves, it either means Baker was great or he's just gone. But it, I mean, is there a real chance this might not really get resolved this offseason? There's one more thing that we haven't discussed before we get to that issue. Um, and that is I would be on the phone with Tom Brady's agent. <laughs> And I would give him whatever he wants for whatever amount of money that he wants for 2022. I would throw the everything at him. I would throw every, every dollar that you can scrape together at him. And then, you know, then you still have your first round pick. So then you can give him Garrett Wilson. Uh, you know, then you can come back and um, Chris Godwin would probably want to sign here. There right. Here's my rope. My road and Gronk would want to come here. My roadmap just came to life. This my is God. my roadmap. Oh, get the <laughs> took a detour, I think. We, we waited. We waited 29 and a half minutes for this. This is, this is the bombshell right here. Well, you just what? roadmapped the Browns into Brady, Garrett Wilson, Chris Godwin, and Gronk. Yeah. Let's go. <laughs> Why not? Right. And hey, I'll tell you what. From what I've seen uh, of, of Tom Brady, he's like, scheme? I don't need your stinking scheme. He's going to do whatever he wants anyway. Yeah, he so, brings the scheme. You know, he brings a scheme. He blows off everything they try to call. So uh, he, he audibles into Maybe. whatever he wants to do. So or, what do or you, you guys you think? Could, you could tell him, hey, oh, Tom, you don't have to throw 40 times a game, which is about what he averaged <laughs> last season. You only got to throw like 22. Yes. You know? 
Yeah. Not not just yeah, you just turn around and hand the ball off to Nick Chubb a lot. You don't have to throw anywhere near as much as you had to throw in yeah. Tampa Bay. Now, if you're Tom Brady, okay, you would and, and you were gonna go to Giselle and you were gonna say, Honey, I just have one more year left in me. I think I can win another Super Bowl. Right? And she says, eat some avocado ice cream and shut up. Um, <laughs> well, she says, I've always wanted to go to the Cleve. It's and been a said, dream yes. of mine to <laughs> exactly. ride out I, our I want to go live in Cleve. Regardless of what Johnny Manziel and Braylon Edwards say, yes. I think Giselle and Tom would love it in Cleveland. He's got you a best friend it. here, Aaron Shea. You know, I think he'd feel very comfortable here. You can Lots get Odell back. Yeah, get Odell back. It's all coming together. The roadmap is coming together. But if he if he were to go want to go to a place where he actually legitimately thought he could win a Super Bowl, you would want to have a really good defense with one of the best pass rushers in the NFL, wouldn't you? You would want to have a really good offensive line, like an amazing offensive line with two of the best guards in the NFL and some good tackles that are healthy. And we'll see what they do at center. But you would also want to have two of the best running backs in the NFL. You know you have to get some receivers, and you would be promised that. And off you go. So what do you guys think? I, and you would allow Tom Brady to do something yes. in his career that Bill Belichick could not do, which is bring a Super Bowl to Cleveland. So Ooh, it's the ultimate little twist in the Brady-Belichick yeah. rivalry. God, I feel like we should end there. Wow. <laughs> Yep. How did you get here? <laughs> well, right. you know what? I, I, I kind of like it. When, when we did the Baker series last month, um, everybody kind of got asked what they thought their most likely scenario was through, through the rankings. So I guess right now, as we had in a combine week, what do we feel is most likely? For me, I feel like it's Baker and then a plan B who's likely a free agent. That's where I'm at. That's what you think is the most likely scenario for that's what I think is the most likely, not necessarily what I would do, but that's what I think is the most okay. likely. Like a t- like a Teddy Bridgewater kind of guy that we were talking yeah, about. Yeah, or like a, or Mitch or, or Mitch. somebody like that. Okay. Mm. That's where I am too. I think Baker comes back, uh, gets healthy, and they they hope to rekindle 2020. And but you do have a guy who's maybe a more legitimate takeover guy than Case Keenum has been. So, so tough. You go, you do, you go, Doug. It's so tough. I, I still like, and I still can see them doing like the upside play of you keep Baker and you draft a guy and that you, you draft this guy that you like, whether you have to move up in the first to get him or whatever. I, I would still love to see them take a quarterback at 13 and find another way to get a quarterback, I, 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 a quarterback, another way, save a receiver and quarterback. I would be willing at this point, to trade future picks to kind of do something right now. I think that would be completely reasonable because there, when are you going to be this high in the draft again? If you think you're going to be, going to be a playoff team, 13 in the draft is, is pretty up there. You have some maneuverability. They have the extra two third rounders coming because of the GM development. Um, and I'm just thinking this is a, this is a, a scenario that I had not particularly thought about, but after Mary Kay, mentioned Patrick Mahomes and things like Alex Smith was a really good starting quarterback in Kansas city. And they were 
12 and four and traded up to get Patrick Mahomes in the first round. And I don't know what happened in Kansas City. If everybody was like, oh, yeah, give it up on Alex Smith. And there were a bunch of Alex Smith bros. I don't know what happened in Kansas City. Everybody was mad. <laughs> then how dare you do this to Alex Smith? But they identified a quarterback and made a move, even though did they need a quarterback? They were a 12 win team with an established veteran, but they were swinging on upside. And then they let Mahomes sit for a year. Then they let Alex Smith walk. And, and I don't, they didn't, you know, so sometimes you have to get uncomfortable. If it happens in Pittsburgh that they, they just played Ben for two decades and then he's done and then they replace him with somebody and they move on and it's completely smooth and there's no hurt feelings in the replacement process, great. Maybe you can pull that off. But a lot of times you might have to get uncomfortable as you're transitioning. So I'm still, I could still really see if there's a quarterback they like and he falls enough, whether it's at 13 or though it's jumping back up into the first or something, I still could see them doing that because that is, that brings an upside swing that I think Garoppolo and cousins probably don't car might, but I still think that's on the table. You know, I, I want to say uh, two super quick things about Malik that I forgot to mention earlier. I don't like the fact that he is a sh- on the shorter side, a little bit less than six one. I do not like that. Uh, I don't like him as much as I liked Josh Allen at the senior bowl because he had, he just had that look like a linebacker and he looked like he was, you know, so athletic, but also hard to bring down and all those kinds of things and just tall and able to see over the line. I don't like the height issue that much with Malik. Um, but I did talk to the, the head of um, the senior bowl, Jim Nagy, who is a long, long time scout, spent a lot of time with the Patriots and other really good teams because has a lot of Super Bowls, knows how to evaluate talent like really well. Um, he, he basically said, this young man is extremely strong. He almost compared his strength to, to Ben Roethlisberger in terms of trying to get him down. And I thought that was kind of interesting. Well, he, I mean, he was sacked a lot last year at Liberty. So I, but somehow, some way he really, really is high on Malik's strength. So I think those are two traits that we should also look at. But in terms of what I think is most likely, I don't know why. I keep coming back to the Browns are built to win now and they're going to try to find a veteran quarterback that can help them do that. Yeah. Uh, I, that, that's still on the table for me too. I think I have that number two, but I'm just, I, I'm worried that that's not going to materialize. I don't know. <laughs> that's, the, that's the only thing that keeps me from saying that. I just... I'm wondering how that's going to materialize, but I think it's going to start happening quick because like you said earlier, the, the league year opens here, uh, March 14th. So uh, it's coming, whatever, whatever's going to happen, it's going to start to happen soon. Okay. There we go. Uh, another in our roadmap series for the Browns at the quarterbacks, we're going to have one more of these. Ashley is going to talk about the defensive backfield and uh, the secondary on our next one. And then we're finally going to do our mock draft pods coming up. That'll kick us off uh, for combine week. Uh, so make sure you're subscribed wherever you get your podcast, the Orange and Brown Talk podcast, Apple, Spotify, wherever you listen, and make sure you're a Football Insider subscriber as well. Just head to cleveland.com slash browns and click that banner at the top of the page. Mary Kay, Doug, and Scott, I'll talk to you later. <laughs>